the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and Merry Christmas to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. And today we present to you a very special Christmas program that was recorded on December 4th at River City Community Church with a message called Home for Christmas. If you'd like to follow along with the notes to this message, they're available for you at reallife.org under the sermon archive link. But grab a Bible if you can. It's time for Real Life Radio. This is what I'm talking about. See, this is it right here. Bringing Christmas home. I'm just a little... Mi- and Bing does that for me. He just, uh, he just, he just gets me, okay? Uh, we can cut Bing now, okay? Bing's gone. Bing's out. <laughs> How you guys doing? Merry Christmas. And I will greet you with a loud, boisterous Merry Christmas. My commitment is every Sunday of this holiday season, I will greet you with Merry Christmas. I'm a big Merry Christmas guy. You need to know that. Um, if I'm with someone who is Jewish and they say to me, Happy Hanukkah, I don't get offended. I think that's awesome. I appreciate that they thought of me that way. And I will say, return to them, a Happy Hanukkah to you. But in the same way, folks, you better get ready for my Merry Christmas. Because it's coming. It's a great time of year, man. I hope you have an amazing Christmas season. In fact, the music team was going to almost commit the unforgivable. They, they were telling me, well, we really want to get the Christmas music rolling next week. We weren't going to do any Christmas music this week. I said, excuse me? And so they threw that one in for me. They, they, they were kind of, I, I said, well, okay, whatever you guys got planned, that's fine. And then they threw that, you know, joy unspeakable joy. I'm sorry, that's a song that makes me want to dance. Okay, there. This is an awesome, awesome time of year. I absolutely love the Christmas celebration. I had great Christmas memories growing up. The thing about Christmas, and, and that's what we're talking about, bring Christmas home, because it really does. At the holidays, not just Christmas, but other holidays too, there's this idea of kind of heading home, of, of going home. You are automatically drawn to home. But Christmas, man, we, you, everybody has stories of home that accompany Christmas. And there's two things that kind of, I think, emerge as people think about those stories and start talking about Christmas at home. One is nostalgia. And it can be great things. It can be, oh, my mom would bake this, or oh my gosh, my grandma, let me tell you what she did. The other is sadly sometimes dread of the drama. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You get, and as a pastor, I say, I talk to people about this kind of stuff all the time. Oh, Christmas, what are you doing for Christmas? Uh, you know, and because I'm a pastor, though, they're like honest with me, okay? They're lying to you, but to me, they're very honest, okay? And some will say, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to, my cousins come in, we're going to have a great time. And then others will go, oh, God. 
They were going, and my cousins come in, and they said, oh. you, you know what I mean, okay? And some of you, some of you were laughing really hard. I hope your cousins aren't in the room, okay? Because they know, you know. I mean, really, be, because of the brokenness, I think, in in some people's homes and backgrounds, and many of our homes and our backgrounds, sometimes there's kind of the holidays accentuate those things, they, they, and they really do because they throw us together, okay? Because we're supposed to get together for the holidays, although, actually, travel agents are going through the roof selling destination vacations for Christmas, which I think 20 years ago might have been unheard of, the idea of just getting away for the Christmas holiday, okay? Get away from the family stuff. Get away from all the other things. And it's one of those things that it's just a little sad to think of, of my home, my family, as something I want to get away from. But because of brokenness, it's actually a very... Um, present reality for a lot of people. There's the Christmas movie that came out a couple years ago, uh, Four Christmases, uh, which which has some dark and kind of sad humor about a couple who was actually on their way to a destination vacation. It doesn't work out, so now they have to spend Christmas with their four different families because they're both from broken homes. And it's just a pretty dark look at Christmas. And... The sad thing is with a lot of people, I think that resonates. And what we're going to look at is how that's not what it's supposed to be. And good news, it doesn't have to stay that way. If you want to sum up what Christmas is really about in a few verses, the book of Matthew, right at the beginning, chapter 1, verse 18, This is really what the fundamental essence, boil it down to a few verses, this is Christmas. This is how, this is beginning verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after, she, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. They're referring back to Isaiah chapter 7. And here's what the prophet had said. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's presence with us. Now, as we read that, we have to understand to the people who first heard it in Isaiah chapter 7, as well as to Mary and Joseph and their contemporaries, this idea of God with us, like as a person, was really hard to wrap their minds around. Because for them, they understood the omnipresence of God. He's creator. He's everywhere. But the idea of God actually being among us, that was an extremely foreign concept because God was holy, just. His white, hot holiness was something that was beautiful and awe-inspiring, but dangerous. God was beautiful, but he was dangerous. God's presence 
in the Old Testament and all the way up to Mary and Joseph's day was represented in Israel in a small place behind a heavy curtain. This place was called the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And it was a place that represented the holy, white-hot presence of God. Once a year, the, and only once a year, the high priest, he's the only one who could go, could, would go into that place to make atonement for the people. And the presence of God was such a serious thing that they would tie a rope to the high priest's ankle in case he or the people's sins had been so grievous or he did something to displease God and he died there in the presence of the Lord and they had to drag him out. Practical, but a little bit scary, right? Okay. I mean, you're putting that rope on your ankle and going, why did I want to be a priest? I could have been a carpenter. Seriously, I mean, this was, this was the presence of God. So to say Emmanuel, God with us, was shocking. And folks, that is the essence of why we celebrate Christmas. So some people say, well, you should really focus more on, you know, his crucifixion and resurrection, the Easter, and, you know, Good Friday. That's what you should celebrate as Christians. Christmas is just commercial. And it, it's, you know, just it, that, that's not it's not even this time of year. It's, you know, 12 weeks later or whatever. I don't care. Emmanuel, God with us, that's worth celebrating. His presence among us, which was fully realized the whole point of the whole deal was God being with us. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus Christ being among us. And God's presence being with us. Now, what are the implications here of God with us? Um, see, because it's such a difficult concept, the people in Jesus' day really struggled with this. And I think we've been struggling with it ever since. I, I want to take you to a passage where... This child that Mary was going to have has grown up. It's in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? John 11, I'm going to start at verse 17. This child has grown up, and he's making quite a splash. Jesus finds that his friend Lazarus has died, and he goes to the home of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, in a city called Bethany, a couple miles outside of Jerusalem. And at verse 17, we read, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now remember, Jesus was a good friend of this family. He knew them. They loved each other. Verse 21, Martha sees Jesus and says, Lord, she said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You see, Martha was beginning to catch a glimpse of the significance of God with us, of Emmanuel, of his presence. If you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. In other words, yeah, Jesus, I know the theology. I, I know what we've been taught. And, and Jesus said, uh, your brother will rise again. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. In other words, a resurrection just walked into town. You're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church. We want to thank you for listening right now. 
We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and encourage you to put God first in your family and make sure you worship together on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. I think Pastor Sean has an idea for you. The holidays can be a busy and even stressful time. At River City Community Church, we want to suggest a pause before the festivities begin. I'm Sean Azaro, Senior Pastor, and I'd like to take a moment to invite you to Carols and Candlelight, our Christmas Eve celebration. Carols and Candlelight is an hour of music, stories, and Christmas reflections designed to remind us of the true gift of Christmas. If you're interested in starting your holidays off right, join us for Carols and Candlelight at River City Community Church. River City is a multi-site church with our central campus located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road at Jones Maltzberger. We also have campuses in New Braunfels and on the northwest side of San Antonio. We'll be offering Christmas Eve services at all campuses with options on December 23rd and 24th. Go to reallife.org for location and service times. Carols and Candlelight at River City is the perfect way to make the most of your Christmas celebration. For more information, go to reallife.org. We hope to see you on Christmas Eve and we wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Welcome back, and we return to this message called Home for Christmas, and this is Real Life Radio. And then he asked her this question, maybe the most important question that anyone can ask. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's important that he stopped and asked her, and I almost see him looking her in the eye. Martha, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe. And, the, and then she says this, this is very powerful and profound words. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Scripture tells us that she goes now and gets her sister Mary and tells her that the Lord is there. Well, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and Mary saw him, she fell at his feet and look what she said. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. They understood the power of his presence. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? They were beginning to understand something's different about him. And had he been here, he could have done something. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Now, remember, this is a funeral there's people still grieving. It's been multiple days that, that, they, that they mourned. And so he comes to the tomb, which was a cave, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But, but Lord, said Martha, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Remember what Martha said in uh, verse 21 and 22? If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. But yet she's, um, Lord, it's been four days. Anything you ask, he'll do, but it's been four days. And it'd be easy for us to go, Martha, dude, you just said, you asked him to do something. You kind of laid it out there for him. Now he's doing something and you're crying about it. And it'd be easy to kind of laugh at Martha or kind of go, oh my gosh, see how, yeah, except that we're just like Martha. This tension between what my faith says and what my eyes see is something that I think every believer can identify with. I know that the, the, the word says that I can have this, but, ah, oh, but I see this. I know God, you're my provider, and so my faith says you're gonna provide for me, but how are we gonna pay for this? I know we're a church, and your word says that you're gonna work through us, and you can, you're gonna take care of us, but Lord, I don't know if we can do that. The tension between what my faith says, 
but what my eyes see, what my practical mind tells me. That's, we're seeing, I'm so glad the scriptures included this for us. We're seeing in Martha the manifestation of just, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We believe, but we struggle. And so while Martha's Lord, anything you ask, he'll do. You're seriously going to move the stone because he's like been there for four days. It's going to have a bad odor. Then Jesus said, and I absolutely love this verse. Listen to verse 40. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And they are about to see the glory of God. So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said for the benefit of these people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. By the way, that's a sermon or a song or something right there. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. You ever felt like that? I know I've been set free in Jesus, but man, sometimes it still feels like I'm wearing these grave clothes or these things are tying me down or I still end up, I, I know this is true, but I end up acting like this. I know this is true, but I end up settling for this. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. And that word faith, Many who come to visit Mary and see what he did, put their faith in him. Now, that's a little bit of a no-duh statement, isn't it? I mean, seriously? You know, you're at a funeral, family member, all your family's there. Jesus walks in, open the casket, you know, says your relative's name. Come on out. And he gets up. You think some of those hardcore relatives of yours, some of those godless folks of yours, you think they'd start believing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because that's a power of the presence. And you can't deny it. You believe, you see the glory of God. That's what he said. See, they put their faith in him because they saw his presence changes everything. That's why Christmas is such a big deal. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we're talking about. And I want to go back to where we started with this idea of of this kind of love-hate thing that we have with Christmas sometimes because of the challenges that we have at home, whether home we grew up with or home that we live in. Yet we are followers of Jesus Christ. And if Christmas means anything, it means God with us. And I want to talk for the next couple weeks about the implications of Emmanuel. God is with us at home because it really does change everything in fact this year instead of trying to manage christmas at home or worse yet avoid home for christmas how about letting the christ of christmas transform your home if we believe this stuff it's never too late to begin letting jesus work and move and bring his glory to your house to your relative's house your stepmom's house, your stepdad's house, it doesn't matter. The presence of Jesus brings the glory of God. And as followers of Jesus Christ, the word says his presence is with us. If you believe, verse 40 said, you'll see the glory of God. 
So this next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the power of Emmanuel, God with us, a Christ-filled home. And today I want to start very basically. A Christ-filled home is a faith-filled home. If you're taking notes, write that down. A Christ-filled home is a faith-filled home. The transformative power of faith in Christ. And I just want to acknowledge up front that faith is one of these words that we've kind of watered down and ruined a little bit. Okay. We have faith-based initiative. You know, we talk about, well, the, the my, my faith tradition, talk about all these things. Faith is a belief so strong. You must act on it because it's so real in your context. And we're going to just unpack what's the difference between two homes in the same neighborhood. Maybe they look exactly the same, but one professes to have faith and the other doesn't. Because I think historically Christians have looked for ways that we're supposed to be different, for ways to identify ourselves, say this is what difference our faith faith makes. But sometimes we've settled on external things that you just go, why, why is that? Is it how is it how we dress? Is our dress is that that what it is? Is it is it what we eat or drink? What we won't eat or drink? Is it what, where we go on Sunday mornings? Is that the big is that the big win? That's the one. Is it the movies we watch or won't watch? I mean. What really is it that sets us apart? We pray at meals at, pub, at restaurants. It doesn't matter how crowded it is. We're going to stand for Jesus. We're going to pray. We're going to do a long prayer. That waitress can come and start talking to us. We won't even look because we're praying for Jesus. For Christians, you don't talk to me. I'm praying to Jesus. And that's, that, that's our big stand of faith, man. We prayed over that meal. And hey, I, I pray over meals. I, you know, I mean, I... I Go to the same place every Sunday morning. All those things. I just want to say to you, though, those are not the things that Jesus said would set us apart. One of the primary things that will set us apart is our faith. A deep, transformative belief that totally changes everything about who we are. And I'm telling you, you can have two homes made by the same builder. You can have the same kind of SUV in each driveway. You can have the kids go to the exact same school. And one of those is a house of faith. And the other is not. And on that outside is where those similarities will change. Because once you go in, those two homes and those families will be following entirely different leaders. And they will be going entirely different directions because of the power of faith. Faith is a belief so strong. You'll base your life on it. You'll base your actions on it. And it changes the way you live. A couple of observations about faith. Number one, a faith-filled home operates on a different set of assumptions. A faith-filled home operates on a different set of assumptions. We call this a paradigm. Your paradigm is the things that you kind of believe that form this lens of how you look at the world. It's your paradigm. We all have one. It's just how you look at the world, and it shapes everything. It's your view of reality. Faith is not some kind of passive religious affiliation. Well, you know, my parents were Methodists, so I'm Methodist, or, you know, what, that, that is not faith. Faith is this powerful sense of reality that is changed because of what you believe. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Listen to this and, and understand the idea of vision here. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see certain of what we do not see. In other words, I do not see it in the natural yet, but I see it with a certainty because of this deep, real faith, being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now listen to this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen 
was not made out of what was visible. What is seen was not made out of what is visible. All this stuff, this material stuff that we go, okay, this is the bottom line. This is reality. This is observable. And what the scripture says is, yes, it is real. It is observable. Natural, physical matter is real. But it's not all that is real. And it's not the original. The scripture says what was is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith understands that all this stuff is real. It's just not all that's real. There is another reality every bit as authentic and real. And it is the origin of all things. That's why the fundamental um, argument in culture, philosophical difference is creation versus evolution. You need to understand that. That's, that's the deal. Creation versus evolution is the fundamental idea because it's about origins. And, and the fundamental question behind it, is there a God, is there not? And you have to understand, evolution is a theory and anyone who deny, if you have a professor in college and he denies it's a theory, please, please give him my number. I want to talk to your professor. I don't care how many PhDs he's got. I don't care how many books he's got. Because I'm at, just going to say to him, prove it. The Big Bang Theory, but prove it. Show me your observable physical research that you were able to do. Well, but we don't. Where did the Big Bang come from? I, I understand the idea. I understand the theory. Where did it come from? Well, this created this. Well, but where did that come from? And eventually, I promise you, I don't care how bright that person is, you're going to back them up to, well, we don't know. Aha! It's faith. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as next week, Christmas weekend, we'll finish this message called Home for Christmas, which is available now as a free download at reallife.org. And of course, we hope you visit River City Community Church as it's located at the corner of Jones-Maltzberger and Redland Road, a half mile inside Loop 1604 on the north side of San Antonio. And for more details, directions, and the special service times for Christmas week, again, go to reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.